Well, we welcome you here this morning. I'm glad you came. It would have been lonely without you. <clears throat> would it be too much trouble to ask you to stand? Wow, Doug, that's like 10 out of 10. <laughs> Stretch your hands to Doug. I just want to pray for Doug. It's amazing what God highlights sometimes. Lord, we pray right now, you just fill Doug with your refreshing rain today. Refreshing rain. Lord, I pray for clarity upon his mind. I pray that you give him wisdom, 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 wisdom. I just see like treasure, a little gold um, coins being thrown in today. And it's like wisdom. It's like wisdom coins. So you're going to know exactly what to say. You're going to know exactly what to do. Your hands are going to know exactly where to go and how to do the right things in the right areas. And confusion we bind now in Jesus' name. And we just remove it in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we ask that you'd fill him, fill his house with the glory of the Lord. Thank you for him, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, Lord, we thank you for your presence here this morning. Lord, I thank you for a hungry bunch of people. And Lord, I pray this morning you would meet us right where we're at. Whatever we're needing or desiring, you would come and meet us this morning. Meet us this morning. It may be decisions, it may be ideas, it may be a strategy, it may be an infilling of power, it may be healing, it may be life, it may be faith, it may be virtue or victory or hope or whatever we are needing this morning. We pray a release of the kingdom of heaven, a release of the kingdom of heaven into us, your body, the body of Jesus, the body of Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Yeah. I just like sometimes just to hover and just see what he might want to release or say or do. And uh, if that's a little different for you, then just sort of... Uh, you know, relax. It's okay. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Shikarababa. Mm. 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 Hey, Kyle, can I pray for you? I think you know I was going to call your name, don't you? <laughs> can you come out the front? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Mm. Lord, I thank you for Kyle. I thank you for the man that you have raised him to be and the lineage that he's created. <laughs> and Lord, we pray today a release, a release of your fresh presence, your fresh presence in the name of Jesus. Yeah, what, I'm, what I'm just sensing, Kyle, is that 
Um, yeah, so uh, let me fill you in on, uh, it's been a very busy week for school and church this week, um, but we've had various graduation services for the college, and um, they've all been amazing services, and um, we're just so blessed. We really are so blessed, and I, I know I say it all the time, but um, I want to just remind you, I, I remember even a few years ago just getting glimpses of what it will be like when God has taken full control of us and our community and and the authority realm that we have is our church our school college two campuses and the ministries that's what we oversee and that's what we steward as a church family and um, I remember a few years ago when it was a little bit difficult it was hard we weren't where where we are now and um, I remember just getting little glimpses of 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 heaven breaking loose in the school or at church and and I remember that was enough for me to carry me through, you know, and Karen and I have been, you know, talking about these things for years. And so um, Friday night was, was really amazing. We had our culture, Youth and Young Adults Night, and we had, you know, well over 100 young people here and uh, 25 of them gave their life to the Lord. And yeah. Um, and um, that's, it's phenomenal. And it was really, really amazing to see the, um, the reality of, of what happens when people uh, find Jesus for the first time. I mean, there were kids crying all over the place. And I know Leisha took a whole uh, bunch of guys from Aldinga back to the campus. I think she was doing discipleship, you know, for an hour in the, on the bus trying to help them all of what, what happens now. And, um, but, um, but we have an incredible, 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 incredible harvest field. We do, right? It's not just Jenny as principal, as us as pastors or anyone else. We steward that as the leading ministry of Southern Vales. And even in this community, uh, we are a key part of what God is going to do in this community. We're not the only one, but we are a key. And sometimes we might, you know, put ourselves down and think, oh, well, other people are doing this, other people are doing that. No, he's called us to be harvesters. And um, it's exciting to, to see what God's doing and we're going to pray and really seek God about what to do with that for the next generation in particular because we feel God's heart for, of, of course, for all of us, but in particular, this next generation are facing issues that no other generation has had to face and, and they're confusing issues. You know, we're, we're, it's not necessarily right and wrong anymore. It's like, how do you navigate through some of that stuff? And so we need to, even as a church family, pour our heart and resources into the next generation. Not only the next generation, but into the next generation. And, and I know that's your heart too. So we, we're just praying on some things in the next few months about what that really looks like. But it's exciting what God is doing. And, um, and so we're really seeing glimpses of that now. I mean, Wednesday night, we had an anointing night where it was just, uh, we, people really got some healing. Um, and it was fantastic to see the Lord heal people, touch people. Uh, and, and then we just went for it in the spirit. I know I messed some people up with a lot of oil. But it's dangerous to give me an oil bottle on a fire tunnel day, okay? So anyway, that's just the way it goes. Um, but who enjoyed that? Yeah, it was a good night, wasn't it? And uh, so God is doing some really, really good things. But 
if I could ask you to be in prayer about those various things, about us still releasing a great awakening for the southern region and then for our next generation, but also for our Dinga church plant. They're, they're really key things that we're stepping out in faith in for next year. So, um, you know, it's, it's exciting, but it is also challenging because it means, you know, resourcing more and, and doing some things. And so we'll talk more about that in the, in the new year. Um, but does that sound exciting to anyone? Hey, Kieran, have you still got your mullet? No, it's gone. Okay, all right. I was just going to show you Kieran's mullet from Friday night. It was, it was an absolute beauty. But um, does everyone know what a mullet is? is that, okay, all right. I didn't get that, so that's all right. It's probably better that I don't sort of go down that track too far. Anyway, so last week I spoke on um, taking information to transformation. And um, I'll give you a really quick summary because I want to pretty much take off from there this week. Um, In fact, I'll even just go to that just so I I get it right for myself. Um, But the, the key message that I was trying to deliver was that (coughs) we are so, so overloaded, if you can call it that, but sometimes not overloaded, just so full of information in the modern day. And it may be study, it may be education, it may be church, it may be all the different conferences and worship seminars and CDs and teaching tapes or whatever we've bought over the, you know, years or decades or whatever it might have been. We have so much information on God, on the kingdom, on the word of God, and yet, converting that to transformation is a whole other ballgame. And um, this, this is a message that I stick with because for me, um, it's not really working for me unless I'm seeing a demonstration of it. And it doesn't matter what that is. Um, it's been um, great for us on our healing journey that we've been on, health and wellness journey for the last three or four years, um, because even though it's a very slow way to perhaps bring your body to health, is doing it very naturally and in wellness and health and fitness and all those sorts of uh, ways of living, it's, it's a permanent way and it's a lifestyle that remains. Uh, some months ago, I preached a sermon called The Slow Revival. And it's like that with a natural healing journey or a natural lifestyle. It's like the slow transformation. And you think about it, how many years we, we've heard sermons and we've done things and we've stepped out and, and that transformation really is meant to take us from glory to glory as in an increase on increase, not stay the same for 10 years. And yet we might stay in a church for 10 years, but staying in a church for 10 years is not what Jesus is going to say, well done, faithful servant for. He's, he's, he's going to be looking, gazing into our heart. And this is the confronting thing for me. Whenever I have my time with the Lord, whether it's in the Word or just praying, I picture myself, because I've got that picture from Revelation, where the fiery eyes of Jesus are displayed and where he will ask us to give an account. And so I, that, I can't help picture that every single time. And therefore, it, me, it, it requires me to keep my heart pure. It, requ- it demands me to keep my heart pure because I can't not if I'm staring into the fiery eyes of Jesus. How can you do that 
and yet still keep bitterness and grudges and offenses and, and all this sort of stuff that we, we carry sometimes. And I believe this is a key to transformation, is recognizing the fiery eyes of Jesus and his eyes that love us and pursue us, but he wants to transform us. He doesn't just want to fill us with more information. We could really stop church as we know it now and stop writing books and all that. And they're all good stuff. I mean, we do all that stuff too. There's nothing wrong with that. However, we could stop all that now and it would then only require us still just to have a relationship with Jesus and the same transformation would take place in the community. What I mean by that is that I think of how many books I've read on on past revivals, on you know, whatever it might be on, on themes of the supernatural or on all this sort of stuff. And they've all brought me to where I am today. They've all built little bricks in my life. But the challenge then is, okay, I'm full of information. It's now about bringing it personal. How am I letting that transform me? It's very easy to make it corporate. Oh, we need the church needs to be doing this. Or we should be doing this. Well, what am I doing? What are you doing to let that transform you? And so that's really where I started off last week was making it really personal. And I know I got really personal about that, but I have to begin there because that's how I have to begin. I can't preach to you on Sundays if I know during the week some of this stuff isn't really working for me or I'm not living it out. Now, it doesn't mean I'm perfect and seeing everything happen that I want to see happen. But I honestly sit before him during the week and make sure that actually this is where my heart is living. This is where I'm living. I'm not preaching something way out there like, oh, the city should be doing this, the churches should be doing this, should be doing that. We've heard should be for too long. And the only way we can change that is by making it personal. Us, me, 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 me. Not that person or that preacher or that ministry or this person. It's me. What am I doing to be transformed by the fiery eyes of love of Jesus in my time with him? And when we then launch off that, then we can start looking at the next layer. But not, I, I, and I think this is where um, we sometimes get derailed a little bit. And we can start even sitting in the judgment seat. Remember, we don't sit in the judgment seat. Someone else does. And he's a perfect judge. But it's very easy when we depersonalize the transformation to someone else. We take ourselves out of the the transformation process and we make it them. As soon as we do that, we we put ourselves in the judgment seat and we're going to be judged for that. It's what Matthew talks about. The book of Matthew says, whatever we judge, we're going to be judged for. And so therefore, instead of us actually transforming, we actually do the opposite. We cause a judgment or we even cause a curse or we cause, we cause negativity or toxicity to go out from us. So what began birthed in a right place, and that is getting information on the life of Jesus inside of us, turns into then a judgment. See, the enemy's so sneaky, we've got to know how he operates because he even turns those good things sometimes into then, ah, you can see what no one else can see. You've got wisdom that the pastor hasn't got. You're, you're now at a prophetic level that no one else recognizes. You're, you're, do you know what I mean? The enemy then flatters us. Watch out for flattery. If it's in human beings or if it's in the enemy, watch out for flattery. Because flattery is, I believe, 90% of the time, flattery is just a whole lot of hogwash. 
And it often comes from the enemy or from insecurity. Either or. And so it's, it's like if people are way, way too overflattering of you and all your gifts, or you are phenomenal, you know. And, you know, it's like, oh, watch out. Watch out. Uh-oh. What are they going to be saying about me in three months? Do you know what I mean? And so because that comes from insecurity. And so it's easier to be, to, to be over, over accentuate everything to cover up the insecurity. And so, anyway, this is slightly getting off track, but you see where I'm going. The transformation process begins with me. It begins with me. It's personal. It's totally personal. The reason I'm saying me is because if I just point the finger at you, then it's fine for me. I get let off the hook, but I'm in this. <laughs> I live every day. We, we do the same things everyone else does and same challenges and trials and, and all this sort of stuff. Um, but the transformation process never ends. It never ends from glory to glory. Now, as James Goal rightly, his interpretation was from glory to glory to glory, to glory to glory, to glory to glory. So that's his life experience. And I think if most of us asked ourselves that question, that would be true of us too. We go from glory to glory. Oh no, everything's falling apart. Then glory again. And, and this is the life of a believer because sometimes we're in faith and we're in an amazing company of people, but then we might get stretched and have to go and evangelize and it's gory. That person had no clue what I was talking about and they, they thought Jesus was just some weirdo. And you didn't want to mean it's gory. And then maybe another good experience where we're in a prayer time and the Lord speaks to us in the word. and It's like, oh, I'm black, back in the glory again. And then we get back in the workplace and we get fired on Monday and we're gory again. And do you know what I mean? It's, this is the life we live. And somehow we have to embody the kingdom of God. It's, it's a difficult thing, isn't it? But we embody him. And so when he transforms us, we transform others. That's what I want to get to today. So let me try and find that. So this is really part two. I know I'm not great at series and things like that, but I'm actually okay with that. Um, do you know what? I've totally for- lost it. <laughs> uh, see how I'm really not great at series, you know. Okay, I remember what I called it now. Have a chuckle. I'm okay with that. There we go. All right. What we're going to do is really, I'm going to take three points from the book of James. And um, so if you get get the book of James ready, um, Martin Luther hated this book. He wanted it removed from scripture. He called it the book of straw. And um, I find that really weird, but since looking at it, I now know why he, he says that, but we'll, we'll explore that a little bit today. But um, I really like this book because this book is a book, a very confronting book, which takes the gospel and says, what are you going to do with it? Or what are you doing with it? What are you doing with the seed of Jesus in you? It talks about words. How are your words? How are you looking? How are your deeds or your acts of righteousness? So it's talking about the transformation now coming out of us. And so I think this whole book is a good book to study. With that in mind, it's like, okay, I'm ready to get some home truths now. I'm going to read the book of James. And um, so let me start by saying that 
going from last week from transforming us, now I want to talk about the next circle around us. I was going to quote a movie then, but I would probably not be right to do that. Um, anyway, uh, no, I won't, I won't. <laughs> I've got to see what people's levels are on sensitivities with movie watching. But anyway, um, going from us last week, the next circle around us is the key relationships that we have. Maybe with close family, direct family, maybe at work. But it might be the five or six key people that we have to relate with. That's what I want to focus in on today. Because once we've allowed the Lord and as we continue to allow him to transform us, we then are going to have an effect on the immediate people in our next circle around us. So this is not the people we just see once a year or, or those, those distant people. This is the next rung of people who we influence, who we speak with, who maybe we trust to a certain extent. And so this is the people we're talking about. And the first area that that I want to highlight that James actually talks about. James chapter 3. Why don't you turn to James chapter 3. And um, oh, I'm going to go my iPad. It's the version I want. Um, James chapter 3. Now this is talking specifically about our words. Because our actions and everything like that come next. But the first thing that people will recognize about us is how we greet them, how we meet them, who we talk about, how we talk about them. And so our, our, our actions sort of come a little after that. We will notice the actions, we'll notice how people react or how people uh, operate in their lives. But the first thing that we'll encounter or maybe when we pick up the phone, the thing they're going to notice is our words. And so... Um, Let's start at verse 1. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. Now, this is the power of words. If we can capture the power of our words and have the transforming power of Jesus Christ expressed through our words... It's saying here that we're able to become a perfect human being. That's how powerful our words are. Now, I don't know if anyone on the face of the earth has ever attained to this. I'm not preaching perfectionism here. But what I am saying is this is demonstrating to us that how we speak, we can transform others and we can transform ourselves in the process. There's that much power in the tongue. Verse 3, when we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they're so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Now, this may be something for us who really are going after revival. Isn't it interesting that it could be, and this is why I think sometimes that the slow revival builds to then an outpouring. Because the slow revival is what's happening in us every day. The transforming power of Jesus, his Holy Spirit. How are we speaking? How are we respecting one another? How are we honoring them? Do we have hurt? Do we operate out of insecurity? What, what sparks are we sending out? Because the sparks that we're sending out is like sowing seed, isn't it? Into the atmosphere. It might even be in our bedroom or with no one around. Whatever sparks we're sending out go into the atmosphere. 
and they're releasing things. And it's saying here that we can set a whole forest on fire. We can set a whole community on fire. We can set a whole group of people on fire de- by determined by what sparks we're sending out of, our, out, of, out of our heart because the mouth speaks out of the overflow of the heart, doesn't it? And so this is why I'm, I, I will keep getting back even throughout um, the next few weeks even, or just keep getting back to this, our personal heart transformation. I'll keep getting back to that because, I mean, even here, I, you can't even preach this verse. Maybe most preachers don't even like saying these words out loud, but, you know, those who teach will be judged even more strictly. So if I'm here and I say loose things just to, just to sort of throw things out there and don't have my own life in order or just, you know, say things that are just, um, just uh, not even of God and just to whatever, manipulate or whatever else, then I'm going to be judged even more strictly for that. And I hold that. I hold that with a little bit of a limp continually whenever I'm sort of operating. And that's why I'm careful what movies I quote or don't quote. But anyway, I, I, that's totally not even point of it. But anyway, so verse 9. With the tongue we can praise the Lord and Father and with it we can curse men. It is such a fine line between the two. Now we might think that cursing is something that only witches do or only really, really bad people do. But chances are most of us have actually been vulnerable or susceptible to this at one point or another in our life. We may have never thought about this before. But with our mouths, if we, if we uh, uh, entangle ourselves in rebellion, unsubmission, talking negatively, then we are releasing a curse. It may not be, you know, as in a big pot with sort of mixing little trinkets in and feathers and drops of this and drops of that. And it may not be conjuring and all that sort of stuff. However, our words are so powerful that they carry something in the spiritual realm. And what we speak over a person, we can either bless them or curse them. Or over Jesus, we can bless him or we can curse him. And, and I think it would be good if there was even another word. You know, it, it, might, it might be something that we don't conjure up a, a Disney movie or something like that, you know, the cursing style thing. This can be a very, very small thing. And it can even be a very fine line difference between actually blessing a person and cursing them. Because we might be um, wanting to be seen to, to bless a person per se. And, and that can actually have even a, a, a wrong spirit attached with that, like I was talking about with flattery. You know, we want to, oh, ah, 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 and, and it's not right. But when the fiery eyes of Jesus bring a direction in our heart, we can't do that anymore because there's a purity on him that washes off on us. And when his purity washes off on us, we will speak pure and we will bring blessing. And we won't want to mess ourselves up in some of that stuff. You know, sometimes I find myself, you know, if there's a conversation going on that, um, you know, and it's not around here, of course, it never happens around here, ever. Um, but, you know, if it's just, you know, it's heading in a direction that, that I, you know, and we all get in this situation where we can just feel it's like, mm, okay, we're getting, into, we're getting into negativity, we're getting into the devil's territory here. You know, I, I, I now give myself pretty much any excuse to just get out of there. You know, like the trucks, they have the big beeping, beep, beep, beep. It's just like, pull out of there, you know. Any excuse, you know, I've got gastro or whatever it might be, you know. Whatever you need, I know that's a lie, sorry, you know, use whatever's appropriate for you. 
But I think we've got to be wise when it comes to how we operate together. Because the key relationships that we hold will either transform us or not. And it's so key that we, those people that we hang around are people that bring life to us. Because we need each other. We need each other. And you think about it. When you're having your gory time, if you have a transformer in your life, that transformer comes in and breathes life into you. But if you have a negative person in your life, in that sphere, when you're in your gory time, that's when you backslide. That's when you leave the church. That's when you start saying things that you never thought you'd say. That's when you start drinking. That's when you start doing things that aren't to the transforming power of the kingdom of God. So the enemy works it to his advantage no matter what happens because he knows there'll be a gory season for each one of us. And that's when we need transformers around us. And I'm not talking about the movie, okay? But what I'm talking about is people who have a like spirit who will lift us up and speak life into us and they'll speak faith into us. And even if we are saying things that are just like loony or we're just in a really heavy moment, we all get in times like that. I mean, if we're really honest with ourselves and no one else is around and it's just a counseling time with Jesus where we're getting open and he says, you know, how are you going? Some of us even this morning might say, you know what? Things are going shocking for me right now. They're going terrible. It's, it, everything's falling apart. Things aren't working. And so it's at those times that our key relationships need to be people who are transformers. They cannot be people who will bring us down because they may bring our downfall down for years or even worse, the rest of our lives. We probably all know people who have got into a stage of their life where um, things have just got really, really hard. And because they were around the wrong key relationships, instead of being transformed into his likeness, they've been pulled out. They've been pulled down. Now, God's grace is enough to always pull them back. I believe that absolutely. However, they might spend years in the desert, years in the desert when those years could have been flourishing rivers of glory. Who knows? That's often when the enemy comes, isn't it? Just prior to the promotion comes that season. And so this is something that, that I take really seriously, um, but it's something that we actively have to pursue because if we're not thoughtful and if we're not wise, we will allow people in our homes, we will allow people to speak into our lives who are not transformers, and we cannot afford that. Even in this day and age, and as the end times get closer and closer and closer, the body of Christ will be drawn closer and closer together, and we'll be knitted together all around the world. And you can even see it now. Streams are, are merging over one another. John Arnott just had the Catch the Fire uh, conference in Toronto, and he has, he has Kenneth Copeland there. He has Benny Hinn there, Marcus Lamb. Reinhard Bonnke, he said, all these guys from totally different streams, John called them in. Why? Because there's a merging of streams because we're not actually called to be totally different streams. We're called to be the body of Christ, the one body of Christ. And so we're beginning to see that as the oppressor turns up the heat on the body of Christ, then the body draws closer and closer together. So if we won't unify in and of our own selves, he's going to unify us. Because we have a common enemy. We don't have ten enemies. We have one com common enemy. And it's not flesh and blood. It's not race. It's not even religion. It's the principalities out there who are against Jesus. And because we're his body, we carry his blood. And they hate his blood.
They hate his blood. It's what we partook of this morning. The blood of Jesus Christ is so powerful. I, I um, um, Yeah, okay, I'm going to go there for a minute. But anyway, so I'm really interested. I like reading about um, guys who have experienced a lot in the demonic realm and, and in, in that dark world. And when they come to conversion, a lot of them write books and they explain stuff. And, you know, I, I wouldn't encourage it for everyone or age groups or whatever else. But I really like doing this. And there's one guy recently, he's actually now a Catholic priest. Um, that'll do some of your heads in. But, um, but anyway, so he got born again nine years ago out of being a satanic priest and very, very high up, you know, and, and quite significant. And he, he, gives, he gives very clear examples of, of evidence that you can see. But anyway, so um, the thing that strikes me when I hear these guys, and this guy in particular, he said, Christians have no idea of the power of the blood of Jesus. That blood is so powerful that anyone who knows the real power of it, as in in the dark world, they run from it. That's why at a lot of their gatherings, you know, uh, satanic gatherings and things like that, they do a mockery of things like communion. They do a mockery of the real thing. They do a mockery of the things that have the real power essence in them. Because they know, wow, there's something in this. And I always remember that. There's so much power in the blood of Jesus. James Gold said this when he came and preached here some years ago. He gave us nine or ten points for people who want to operate rightly in the prophetic. And one of them that Karen and I remind ourselves continually of is stay close to the blood. And the reason he says that is, you know, anyone can prophesy and we can say all sorts of things and we can run a whole prophetic crusade and conference and raise up little prophets and all this sort of stuff. But if we don't stay close to the blood, then we lose an essence of why we even prophesy. Because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It's not a conference or even a gift or so that someone knows a word of knowledge or your name or your address, which I love the gifts operating like that, but it's to testify about Jesus. That's the essence of prophecy. And so that's why no matter what gift or thing that we're going after, we have to stay close to the blood of Jesus. Otherwise, we can get really off track, can't we? So anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with this because I think this is the, the last thing to, to say. And this is about our walk. When we are recognizing that we are to be transformers to those key relationships around us, John chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, actually, I'm going to go to James chapter 1, and then I'll come back to John chapter 1. So James chapter 1. Um, and I think we'll pick it up from 22. This summarizes everything I've said. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. If, that, if, if there's anything I could say that's reverberated with me in the last couple of weeks in, in preparing this and that I would want to leave with you, it's that. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Now, it's a different outworking for every person in the room. We can't copy one another. We can't just start up a ministry just because someone else has. We can't just start looking like everyone else does just because we think that's the way to do it. We need to do what the Word says for us and not get deceived and begin to do what it says. Now, if we pick this out a little bit, then go to John chapter 1. It's, what is the Word? He is the Word. He is the Word. Jesus Christ is the eternal Word. 
Before Scripture was written, Jesus was the Word. So Scripture is the embodiment and the release of the personification of Jesus Christ, if you like. Everything in this book is just an expression of Jesus Christ, just a little expression. Because before that book and, and after that book, book, if I can say that, in heaven, Jesus is before, during, and after. He is the eternal Word. And so we can't just uh, take some rules and regulations. We need to have his transforming power in our hearts and then demonstrate that. And the key relationships around us, for us, um, going to Germany has been an amazing experience because they have shown us how to operate in the kingdom heart to heart. Haven't they, Dale? Yeah. Do you want to say anything on that? No. Okay. (laughs) Who wants Karen to say something soon? (laughs) You can send me some little um, checks or thing, you know, some, you know, whatever you like, and that sort of. I know it's it's kind of a, a confronting thing, but I, I just feel to leave it there because I think that that's a, a poignant moment. But I want us to stand. We're going to pray. Holy Spirit, we ask right now that you would breathe on us as your people, as your body, as your expression here on earth. We ask that you would wash away all the things that may have come in to try and reduce us down from being transformers of society and of relationships and even of ourselves. And Lord, we pray that you would remove every distraction Everything of the enemy that's trying to come and steal, kill and destroy that which you've planted inside of us. And Lord, we ask that you would release your power and your love in and through us. Lord, I pray that Harvest would be known as a church family that express the kingdom so radically through who we are. Through who we are. How we express who we are in the kingdom of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to pray corporately this morning. It's pretty warm. And um, I think the guys have got my latte waiting. So, you know, it's kind of that time. Anyway, I'm just kidding. Just lift your hands. I want to pray. Lord, we thank you for this incredible, incredible opportunity in this time in history that we have to unite together to embody whom you are and to transform those around us. I pray that you would give us a fresh anointing, a fresh fire, a fresh unction of your Holy Spirit to carry the kingdom with a fresh demonstration, a fresh demonstration of your love and your power. Mark us with that, Lord. Even today, pour in your kingdom, pour in your love, Pour in fresh oil, fresh anointing, fresh fire, fresh love. If we're empty, Lord, I pray, fill us up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for every single person who is here right now. And I pray in them that you would release such a radical awakening of the transforming power of the kingdom of God that they would shake the relationships around them with your love. Make us people who carry the kingdom so actively.
In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Why don't you give two people a hug? Just bless them this morning. If you're sweaty, just hold back. And um, if you're a visitor, please go to the cafe. We'll have a latte or a cappuccino for you. And bless you this week.